Welcome to the Total Football Podcast, International Friendlies Edition. This week I'm joined by Andrew Conway. Hello. And of course, I am Declan Harris. Up for discussion is Europe, South America, Asia, the whole world. The last three World Cups have all been won by three European countries, with only one non-European finalist. But in the last week, all five South American countries who qualified for the World Cup won against European opposition. Is there hope for a South American winner in a European country this summer? Yeah, I think it is. I think there's seven nil at the moment if you count the matches in the China Cup today. Yeah, the, the what is the China Cup? I, mean, it's, I think it's just an international friendly tournament the Chinese have put on. and They've got Wales, Uruguay and the Czech Republic involved in it and they've all, you know, done Rang their Eggs, thing up there. Rang Eggs couldn't get uh, some silverware. No, but they were never going to beat Uruguay. Uruguay are, could be dark horses for the World Cup. Yeah, they have a pretty good side. But they're a very hard team. Like They're very yeah. uh, strong they have some a lot of good experience now with like well obviously Suarez and Cavani, Cavani of and, course yeah and, but then the Italian well the, I say Italian but the players that play in Italy playing midfield for them now yeah you know they're they're younger Diego Godin isn't he Uruguayan yeah he defense. is Uruguayan you know they're they're a strong outfit now they didn't do well last time around but they still got you know they still pushed yeah they were beaten by a very good Colombia side was it Colombia that beat them yeah because yeah, remember Ramos Rodriguez scored that amazing yeah, goal and what, that was the last 16 like, and, you know it was a it was a close match that time so yeah, the draw could be has been kind enough to them this time they will progress yeah they're in the first group of Russia aren't they yeah. in Saudi Arabia and Egypt yeah so they would be you'd expect them to at least come second well on quality of football in that at the moment you're looking at Egypt and Uruguay being the best but you know Russia are the hosts that counts for an awful lot yeah all things being equal though you yeah. would expect yeah if you were just to go off the way they've been playing for the while yeah. and every, you know the players they have you would say Egypt and Uruguay would go through but Egypt in the World Cup hasn't happened and Russia are the hosts so yeah. who knows with that one Mo Salah though yeah, but again, Egypt still have never done it. They, the they were playing Portugal during the weekend. Ronaldo stepping up, 95th minute winner. Yeah. It's easy to do it. Yeah. Well, you can't say that about Ronaldo. He has however many. He's coming up. How many goals does he have now for He's Portugal? got something like Portugal, I don't know. He's got like 70 goals. He's yeah. past Robbie Keane, I know that much. Yeah, I know that. But he's like, Which he's is a high hit, figure. He, he might hit, well, it might be a bit much to ask him to hit the 100 mark, but yeah. he's going to try, I'd say. Get a few friendlies in Andorra. Yeah. You know, that's the type of the game they like. Might might be lucky enough to draw Gibraltar in the Euro qualifying. <laughs> yeah. Get, get a couple of hat-tricks. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be well up for those matches. And uh, the Netherlands, England as well. 1-0 England. But... Yeah, England had a few injuries and they played, like we talked about last week, they ended up playing Kyle Walker as a centre-back in the back yeah. three. As we said, we ran out of numbers pretty quickly. Like Joe Gomez did play as well, which you know that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I forgot Paddish to mention himself as well. I forgot to mention him last week, but Lascelles could be a good shout as well for England. But I don't he's think not they will. Into I, the squad. Yeah, he's, he's not in at this he's point. He's not going to go. Consideration. You know, they were talking about Jack Wilshere that it wasn't ideal that he, you know, he got knee injury or something in training. Oh, so did he's, he? he's missed the two England international matches, and it's a waste. Gareth Southgate was like, it's not ideal for its World Cup chances. And you've got saying that a player who has a lot of England experience and who is, you know, almost an only hope situation for England's midfield. Yeah. And he mightn't be brought because they have more athletic options in the form of, you know, Jordan Henderson and Alex Oxley, the Liverpool players basically yeah. in midfield. It could be something else they're going for instead of the Jack Wilshere option. But England played well in against a very poor team. Yeah, what's going on with the Netherlands? We don't have Matthias here, unfortunately, for him to. We only have three Champions League players in that squad or in that team, rather, that played England. 
you know, I know the Champions League isn't the be all and end all. Yeah, but if Champions League winning coach though, well, as a player, a player <laughs> in Spain, you know, it's not the same really. <laughs> Ronald Koeman and he said it like the English players seem to have better passing of the ball. They're they're trying to do something. That's not. a disgrace, though. England are a better passing team than. Yeah, the but Netherlands. the Netherlands are in a very bad state at the moment. For whatever reason, they still got players. Like I'm not saying they're not. They finished third at the last World Cup. Yeah, but that was again the look of the draw, the conditions, the like. like they they had a hard draw. Yeah, they, they had, beat Spain five one. Like. Yeah, and they beat Mexico in the heat, and they you know, they they were performances, but like Louis Van Gaal bringing on Tim Krul, like that yeah. was. That was a great moment. Tim Cruz barely played football since then. That's actually probably... That, in a World Cup that had a lot of good moments, that might actually be my favourite one. Yeah. That was... Oh, that was lovely. No. I just... I love Louis van Gaal. The, the stuff that he race. does. Well, Louis van Gaal, the high five of Robin van Persie, I think was better. Than that that was pretty good, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Netherlands are in a bit of trouble. England played okay. Like, there's not... You really... It's, it's tough for England because you look back at the last record. Like, the last time they beat the world champions... Before Euro, before Euro twenty sixteen, yeah, <laughs> like they beat Germany comfortably enough, and then they got humiliated by Iceland, yeah, yeah, and we're very bad, and we're very bad throughout the tournament. So they can beat whoever they want, whether it be a Netherlands team who who were awful or an Italy side who didn't qualify for World Cup the first time in fifty years. Yeah, they, years. they play them tomorrow, isn't yeah, it? Tuesday. Tuesday night. But either way, two teams are playing against are in transition. Like I know their name teams and. If they were playing, you know, Serbia or something like that in these meetings, in these friendlies, you'd be saying, oh, why, why are they bothering playing Serbia? But Serbia qualified, you know, it might who, be a bit more... Serbia lost to someone to say, who was it? Oh, I forget who they lost it to. It was someone that, you know, the fact that Ireland couldn't beat Serbia looked bad. Yeah, but most things make that look bad. Speaking of Ireland's yeah. competitive groups in previous tournaments, uh, they beat Gibraltar. Or Gibraltar won. The, oh yeah, I guess Latvia. was only their second ever win or something. Yeah. Well, that's something for the for Gibraltar. Yeah, yeah. something for for their annex to Spain again yeah. or whatever is going to happen to them post Brexit. Uh, speaking of Spain, Germany won. Spain won. It was a pretty the exciting abs- match. The yeah. absolute quality match of the of the yeah. round. Like you look at those teams and you look at England playing Netherlands, or you look at France even, and you're like these teams aren't to the level of Spain and Germany are they were just they both just have such amazing squad depth as well but it's not even that it's the way they're playing football like the, I, there is a, a great two and a half minute passage where Spain have the ball they're, they're in possession they're attacking they pass it in and around and you're like what are the German players doing they're kind of being static and not yeah. moving and then they all move in like a kind of in symbiosis where they're all moving in tandem together yeah. and they swarm around the players and then cut at the angle and force a pass out wide and Spain were doing very well well to combat it but at the end of it it was cleared away and then Germany had an amazing break and Ozil's hit it like a 70 yard pass from one side of the pitch to the other that was picked up perfectly and yeah. then the shot happened and it was just like a great passage to play and it's like these two teams are so, tactically they're far better yeah. than you know because the way they're holding the positions on the play the way they're, they move they transition from defence to attack so quickly but without having that kind of okay Traditionally, if you transition fast from defence to attack, that means you're booting the ball and running after it. They're not doing that. They're like passing it out, but very quickly passing it out. It's as if you're watching normal international football. It's like watching championship football. And then you go to Champions League when you're watching like Spain, Germany. It's the same, it's the same sport, 
but it's a lot faster. You wouldn't think it though. No, yeah, but like that's how it is. But that's how it is at the moment, and that's because the players have known each other. Most of them have come through the underage ranking, coming through all the time. A lot of the players are centred at the big clubs in their respective countries. There's a big Bayern Munich contingent. There's some Schalke players. There's some Dortmund players. There's and then there's obviously the players who played with each other three years previously that are veterans from the 2010 World Cup in terms of like, you know, Thomas Muller. You know, he always turns up for a World Cup. He does, and I expect him to score a few goals in this World Cup. Didn't he get golden boot at both the World Cups? He's he, no, he at? got one and he came close. He got. I think he was level, but didn't level, have the assists. Yeah. yeah, or something like that. But yeah, like he can see still on for yeah. breaking another record or something that close I got in the last World Cup. Well, close only just got us. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But these things can happen. Like, but like I personally don't think Germany are going to win the World Cup. I know we'll probably talk about it later on. Yeah, you know, we'll preview in, that in the year. But you know what? They seem very nice, and they have a great kit, which is something I'm sure we're going to talk about later on as well. That yeah, away kit. We'll have to talk about kits at some point. Yeah. yeah, green and pattern when they're when they're all revealed. Yeah, well, they're almost all there now. But that Spain team, you know, they've kind of got in under the radar because they kind of done so badly the last two tournaments. Or they've yeah. done so badly, they just underwhelmed. They did badly in the World Cup, and then the last one, they didn't actually do that badly. But they did Still, though, only get to the last 16, finish the second in the group. It was a very bad Italy side that was being yeah. well coached by Antonio Conte. Well coached team, like, and it was, a, it was a passing of the torch, kind of, for a passing of the guard for a lot of Yeah, it was the end of the Spain Del Bosque players. era. Yeah. So, but it's a potential semi final at the World Cup as well, which yeah. is exciting for the World Cup if that that does end up happening. If they do meet in the semi final, because yeah. like generally when it does get to the semi final, it's almost just two teams too nervous to actually do but, anything. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change. I think it will be very nervous. You always is by the time you get to that, like, by the time you get to the business end of the World Cup, it is very dodgy. Yeah. Like, no one wants to make a mistake. Everyone's terrified. No one wants to be remembered as the guy who made the, the mistake that led to the team getting knocked out of the World yeah, Cup that late. Losing 7-1 against Germans. And they play They play each other soon, actually. Brazil are playing Germany tomorrow night as well, I think. Yeah, and Germany are resting a lot of players. They've sent like, players like Mesut Ozil who played well against Spain home. They said because of it, but likely it's because he's re- being rested. Yeah. So they're going to try out a different squad against another one of the favourites for the World Cup. And like Germany has such strength and depth to be able to actually do that. Yeah, they could probably send a an A side and a B side to the yeah. World Cup and do well. But it's not even an A and B side, they just mix and match and yeah, try different it's... things. So they have two completely different Germany ways. one, Germany two, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not exactly like this team is much worse because they bring in Gretzka, they bring in, you know, Marco Royce is definitely gonna play this World Cup. He said he's not <laughs> unless he managed to get injured yeah. again. We'll see if he does, but like you know, Timo Werner is starting to play matches now. and But they still have, like you said, Thomas Muller. They still have the Bayern Munich contingent there who are pushing people. Joshua Kimmich won Kimmich, yeah. German Player of the Year this year, Again, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's still doing everything. No one knows what's his best position. So. Yeah, he could play anywhere nearly on the Yeah, pitch. but Thomas Muller is the same as that as well, but further forward than Kimmich. But, you know, the Germans, I still don't think they're going to do it because very hard to retain a World Cup. And they were very fortunate the first time. Like maybe the Timo Werner is the player they've been looking for to actually score goals yeah. for them because that's something they have been lacking. But it's the hunger there, it's the desire there. It'd be very tough for them to win in Russia, apparently, you know, historically. That's gonna be very tough for them, and you know the locals won't like them. So that that's gonna you know as opposed to it'll work against them. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Brazil, the kind of locals got behind them. Kind of, especially when they were playing Argentina. They yeah. wanted, at least don't let Argentina win the World Cup was the, was the thing by the end of it for them. 
but in Russia there'll be no sympathy. You know, we'll see what the relationship is like by then. But you know, I don't think I, either of those teams would be my favourites to win it. But we'll see. And then you mentioned Argentina; they beat Italy, poor Italy side two 0 without yeah. Messi though. Yeah, he's returned to training, so he's going to play. I I, I'm not sure if he's going to play, but he's He's in training. Yeah, Yeah, he's there. He's there for Spain. Uh, So, was you know, it was a weird match. It was a weird venue for some reason. It was in Manchester. Oh, weird. Yeah, the Etihad Stadium, but obviously some kind of arrangement that was made. You know, that Italy side side is old. It's aged. Like, Buffon is still in goals. They're not given, I don't think, enough chances to other players to get into that team. DiBaggio as well is just kind of there. Yeah, as a kind of cover until yeah. until the decision is made to see what happens. Like uh, Costa Curta is trying to get, he said Conte is his number one, so we'll see whether Conte goes back. Ancelotti's to available as well. Yeah, and Ancelotti's been linked with Miami with David Beckham, which would be a weird sideset move for him. I, I think Italy would be ahead of that, but or another club team, but we'll see what Ancelotti feels like doing. That'd be a pure retirement move for Yeah, Ancelotti. but he can do what he wants. This, he's made True, yeah. and Maybe he believes that after you know that cycle of management being at the top level might be over for him. But, and maybe at least something further yet in the future again when he, it's not such a reconstructive job but Argentina are a weird side like Icardi didn't make the squad Dubala wasn't in the squad although apparently that might have been because of injury yeah kind of the Sampali picked the squad for some bizarre well not bizarre reason but he picked the squad a while ago based on form a while ago and then like Icardi returns from injury scores four goals against Sampdoria a very good Sampdoria side like. yeah, yeah and then you know Dubala is obviously back in form and there's rumours that neither player really gets on with the hierarchy in the dressing room with the Messi's, with the Mascheranos. But, you know, they're still there. Their options. Like, it's the World Cup. You you think they'd be able to set that aside. Well, it's like, there's only certain, so many spaces in the, in the like, squad. Like, you have Hig- Messi. Higuain and Aguero have never really done it for Argentina. But Higuain isn't always picked in these squads. Like, uh, Icardi's been picked instead of Yeah, yeah, in the last qualifying But, like, how many strikers do you have in Argentina if you're Argentina? They should just bring all of them, though, and just try to score everyone, just for the crack. But they can't do that. You can't do that in international football. It's it's been proven. Like, not modern international football. Even teams that stay together, scoring goals is really difficult. Unless you're, you know, against Brazil in the semi-finals. It's a very (laughs) difficult task to do. Like, very few players in tournament football, you know... Ronaldo or Robbie Keane or you know David Villa can rack up a huge amount of goals and qualifiers. Yeah, over time, over time, and you know get decent returns. Because there's team, there are teams like Gibraltar, or San Marino, yeah. or Andorra that are just easy to plow through. But if you look at the maximum goals scored by a team in a tournament, even a team that wins the tournament, it's barely, it's barely ever in uh, double figures. Yeah, you know, very seldom do they get to ten goals in seven matches. You know, that's not great. Like yeah. obviously, some teams do. Obviously, and, Germany did last yeah, time. That Germany. was just because of a freak game. But, really. like, the Netherlands in the same tournament got to the semi-finals, barely scratched that. Yeah, and even, even and then was, they had a freak game as well. by the, the 5-1 over Spain. Spain. You know, th- that's the thing. Like, a lot of teams don't actually get that far with them. Yeah, and, like, sometimes they, there will be that one-off game where they do just score a load in the yeah. one game, which kind of is an outlier. Yeah. And uh, then the other game, another two kind of... Dark horses took on each other. Although I know what you call France a dark horse. Well, they are, but they're young, young developing sides. Still, I know they got to the final in the in Euros. Euros, but the one they were at home in that, and two, I think, like most, not most of this team, but there will be considerable change in this team and a lot more maturity in this team from that like side. I don't expect, for instance, the defense is like 
for lack of another option, like Lloris hasn't been in great form this season, but he will captain the side. But then in defence, like Ken Mbappe from... Titty, isn't he? Titty at Barcelona yeah. is probably going to start. He did play in the Euros, but you know he's going to probably be there. Yeah, he's come, he's come a long way. Yeah, he's he's well. confident and strong at Barcelona now. He doesn't look out of place, which maybe he did when he first got there. But, but they lost three two in this match to Colombia. Yeah, who are definitely dark horses. Like they're not, they're not up there in the consider. Like no one's expecting Colombia to, to win the World Cup or anything. But they, you know, it's a good result against France. Oh yeah, and it's in Europe, and it was you know. There's, they have to come over. Like this is one thing that we we started this topic off by talking about how the South American sides haven't competed at the highest level. Like Argentina obviously got to the final, and Brazil were in the semi final of the last World Cup, but neither really were favourites at any time. Yeah, and that was in South America. As and well. it was in South America. It was in home ground. They had the home climate, you know, advantage. They had the fan advantage really, and it didn't really count for anything at the end. Like Germany had a horrible World Cup in terms of they had to travel all up and down the country. It, a third oh. of the team got sick. From yeah, food poisoning and or they, something. They usually played on like the like I remember they played Ghana and the humidity was a hundred percent. I remember the rain was, against America as yeah. well it was incredible. Like they had horrible conditions and it didn't really phase them. And now you're coming with the with the South American sides coming over to Europe when they probably won't face as adverse conditions. Like there is a possibility Russia can get very hot in the summer and very humid and dry. At the same time, like different areas, could, one area could be very humid and another... Area could yeah, be Russia's dry. massive. Like. Yeah, well, it's in European Russia, but that's what's going to happen is that teams might have to deal with having these varying conditions from match to match. If you remember the Euros when they were in the Ukraine and Poland, it's not... in the It's in the same neck of the woods, really. It's not that close, but it's in the same neck of woods and you had like mad thunder and lightning storms pulling off games and then you had other matches that probably would call for water breaks yeah. with modern rules in the same tournament in the same week. And that is likely, although I'd say that the Thunder and Lightning would be a kind of a freak event if it happened again. But these teams still have to adapt to that. Maybe that will give Colombia a bit of an advantage given their home climate. But, you know, they're, they're a tight-knit team. They know each other. They know each other quite well. They haven't performed really well at a tournament so far. Bar, like, there was flashes of it at the World yeah. Cup. But in Copa Americas, you know, Chile have pushed on and won them. It's just the fact that when, it seems with Colombia, they whenever they do meet, like you feel like if they play European opposition, they feel like they could take them on because yeah. they, you know, they're unknown territory and like they'll have looked up to them. Yeah, but they'll be like, okay, we can like this is a good result against France. They, they yeah. I think they were two 0 down as well, and they come back. Yeah, but it, it just feels like if they play Brazil or Argentina, they'll just have an inferiority complex and just lose. I'm not because sure they're, if they're playing Brazil or Argentina. Yeah, and look at the draws. Generally speaking, that these South American teams it, like it was Brazil. Each other. It was Brazil that beat them in 2014, yeah. and that like as Germany proved, that was a bad Brazil side. Yeah, yeah, as everyone proved. But then again, Croatia lost to them, and so did Mexico. I think that Croatia game was a bit freaky. Though. It was, yeah, and it was a weird World Cup, and they were at home, so a lot of things. Yeah, happened. yeah. That's why I don't think Brazil, you know, despite them kind of knocking themselves together and getting the coach that actually is managing them and. You know, having yeah, you know, they're a better they're, team than four years ago, oh yeah, but they don't have those advantages of that yeah. four years ago. So I don't so think Brazil really kind of even out. Yeah, so I wouldn't think Brazil like it is going to be tough for South American teams. As you said, like I'd love a good dark horse. Like you always say, like maybe Mexico because Mexico do have this kind of flair to them, and they're they're a very functional team at the same time. But they end up they always okay Mexico okay they did okay in the group stage to go to the last sixteen. And they lose. Yeah, they've lost the last 16, the last few World Cups. Yeah, now. they ended up losing. Like, 
remember like even 2002 lost to USA in the last 16 and it's like they were like this is their opportunity and <laughs> get one over and then the Americans went to the quarterfinals and you know just about got beaten by Germany I think it was at that time like, sounds right yeah the, you know, it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing like a mental block almost for them so maybe you know Mexico their league is kicking on a bit they have a lot of players playing around the world they have a bit of experience from the last World Cup where they performed well enough and going out to the Netherlands as they did Maybe there there is something there, but away from them, and you know, my personal thing is, it's now or never for Argentina. Oh yeah, definitely. Like you were saying, talking about the coach Sam Pauli made a comment earlier on today where he said, "You, I think you have the the wording of it is, he's got a revolver pointed at his head, and it's if he doesn't win the World Cup, he's dead." Yeah, that was That's, essentially you know, what he said. The metaphor yeah. he was trying to make was like Messi is so much pressure. The world is on the weight of the world is on his shoulders, and if he doesn't get this World Cup, that's it. Yeah, like, and he said that in public before the World Cup. But that's how I feel. Is like this Argentina side has not performed, didn't perform in, in qualifying at all. Oh, yeah, just about got there thanks to Messi. Yes, and you know, even then, the last few matches before that match, Messi wasn't performing for them. He missed a match randomly as well for yeah. yelling at a referee as yeah, well, and that know, really cost them. Yeah, but like they should have been, like we talked about their riches there a few minutes ago. But yeah, they oh, they shouldn't have been Higuain, that close. Aguero, Icardi, you know, uh, Messi, <laughs> Messi, Dybala. yeah, the, the greatest no, that's player five. in that's the world. Five centre forwards who we probably get into any team, any international team in the world. Oh yeah, and they have them, and they've been struggling to score. Yeah, yeah, and they won't bring them. And like Team Maria is still there, and Mascherano is still there, and like. They do have a lot of weaknesses, like we've discussed before. Yeah, defensive like, divisions. Well, Rojo, if he plays, is going to be. In I don't think. Or... I don't think Rojo will be in this. Well, it's, who else do they have? And they have Otamendi. Otamendi will start, but yeah. the goalkeeper Romelu, like Romero, Romero, sorry, can't get a game. Like he's playing for Manchester United, but he was never signed to play a game. Like he doesn't come across as a number yeah, one. Yeah, he only plays top. the cup games. Really. Yeah, but he's not a number one at the top. Class two. Yeah, he's a very good number two, but I wouldn't call him a good yeah, number. Yeah, well, one. like you can't, you want like he's not Manuel Neuer. Oh, you know, yeah, he's not, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. It's like, and you're expecting this player to win the World Cup? Yeah, you? well, he got to a final. Yeah, but he did before, and they, yeah. you know, you have to say it was the defense that cost Argentina that final. Yeah, it was a sloppy goal. It was yeah. Demichelis that stepped up. Uh, it was it was all over the place, and the ref and the goalkeeper himself didn't cover himself with like praise for that. To the shot from Goza, Goza, and it went right past him. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe you should have done better. I know it was a good shot, but like, it wasn't the best goal in World Cup history. Certainly not, no. no. And then, like, they have problems in midfield, which is the problem. And that's why I think Messi might drop to 10 and might give another, he'll drop into midfield a bit more. Yeah, I think he should play in midfield nearly. Probably, like, he's dropping, he's playing as Barcelona at the moment, he's kind of playing as a false 10 where he's dropping into midfield and then. That's his his hold up position, and then when they actually have the ball, he breaks forward into a like a forwards position. But he's all that's kind of what he's doing at Barcelona at the moment, and I think that's what he needs to do at Argentina. But he's been playing out the wing for Argentina still and cutting in and doing what he was doing three four years ago, which maybe, may like not to doubt Messi, like maybe he does still have the legs for doing that. But like I don't think that's the best way to get something out of your team, and you need to be more about the team to win a World Cup. That's the way you win a World Cup. You don't win a World Cup by being a group of individuals it's not yet like that but no other team has a player like Messi either, true though. true but you have to build other players you can't win the World Cup on your own true yeah and then the just one piece of club news over the 
week and it's not even really news it's just rumour and speculation is Thomas Tuchel has ruled himself out of the Bayern Munich job and he's been linked with PSG and Arsenal yeah Arsenal clubs. like apparently once he, he has had talks with a club abroad and that's why he doesn't want to go to Munich and maybe it's not time it's not right for Munich maybe he thinks he can come back to Munich in yeah. two years it might be better for him because once you do Munich you're kind of ruling yourself out of a tent in the future unless you're yeah, he's still young yeah I can but yeah, you're right, so he's still young, but the word from Raphael Honigstein, like apparently it was like, oh, he's going to Arsenal, according to Kicker yesterday, but then Raphael Honigstein said, no, he's not, definitely not coming to Arsenal. Yeah, like, can rule Christian Falk, I think, as well, was saying yeah. he's more likely to go to PSG. PSG, and if terms can't be agreed to PSG, Chelsea have looked at him as a possible successor to Conte, although in both cases, I do not see how Tuchel's, in terms of PSG and Chelsea... I don't know how to, Thomas Tuchel can help those sides. He's a system, not team-driven manager. Yeah, he is not a start manager. In fact, that was one of his like shortcomings. I don't know if he's learned from it. Was his relationship management with his star players? Like he had issues with Aubameyang when he was there. He had issues with a few other players of the star variety. And, and another thing as well is like he had issues with Sven Mislintat yeah. who was at Arsenal which is why Arsenal I find this the links to Arsenal so bizarre. Yeah. Like well they're just, adults so maybe, they, yeah, can put maybe that, they can put their differences in the past aside and maybe there is some other reasons maybe something to do with Bayern Borussia Dortmund was the cause of the, the fracas. But it's just because both left the club shortly after that. Yeah. So why did they both leave the club? Maybe it was something to do with the club. No, but it's just like when Tuchel does have options, it seems like Arsenal would be on the bottom of his options if he has had a falling out with Sven yeah, yeah, that's and what, some of the that's players. What it's just, it would, I think he would fit the Arsenal mould better because I think Arsenal would be open to but would he, a refresh of their whole structure. Yeah. But like you said, the missile tap thing, the fact that Raphael Hunkstein has said that he's not going there, I would I would believe Raphael Hunkstein when he says this is definitely not going to happen. Yeah. But then the fact he's linked with Chelsea and PSG, two teams who are kind of, you're hired and you're there for a year or two years tops and you're there to get the best out of whatever individuals you're thrown with. You're not there to fundamentally change the way they play. Like when you think about Chelsea, they've been, fundamentally, they've been the same style of football since Claudio Ranieri was there. Maybe Carlo, that's unfair to Carlo Ancelotti. That he yeah, that one year, two years. It was a couple of years he was there where he kind of played a more... Carlo Ancelotti ran the football where they passed through the middle and, and got and got goals that way right through the centre of the play but they did the, but the current Chelsea team and a lot of Chelsea teams previously have been very functional and there's nothing wrong with that they're built on strength conditioning overwhelming opposition with a couple of good very technical players and then they were having control of the rest of it through big strong tall players which is no fault of their own that's who they sign and having, you know, a good amount of technique to get around teams. I don't see Thomas Tuchel going in there with big, strong players who are tall and who are long. He, he wouldn't be given time to change things either. Yeah, exactly. And PSG is almost the same because he's like, what would he do at PSG if he went in there? Like, th- that's a poison chalice. Like, if I were him, I wouldn't turn it down. Unless they might just throw money and money and money after him. I was thinking PSG are kind of like a rich man's Sutherland. Yeah. They're so like, well, you know, it's a lot better than Sunderland. Obviously, yeah. Is trying to buy Sunderland again. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, but I was just thinking, like, when Chris Coleman was appointed Sunderland manager, it was like, why did he Why did he bother? But it was like... It's a big if, club. If, if you are the t- person to turn around things, 
That is an impressive achievement yeah. because yeah. everyone like, and if you fail, it's like you're expected to fail because yeah. everything's a mess. Yeah. So like it could be an interesting opportunity for Tuchel to kind of push himself. Yeah, but that's was the same thing was said when Unai Emery took over. Yeah, you know, and, he's, this, and he's failed, and you know, so yeah, but it's, and exactly he'll go back to Spain, and yeah. but he's a very similar and, manager in terms of his, like they're not similar in terms of their style of football necessarily, but in terms of their focus on the system and on the group narrative, and it's like uh, Unai Emery hasn't been able to establish that at PSG in two years at all. And well, even that, one of those years, he didn't have Neymar to contend with. He hasn't been able to. He's he's done well in terms of, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for the fact that he's brought through for the team that spent hundreds of millions on players he's brought through a huge amount of youngsters on that side yeah the difference between how much they spent in the attack and the rest of the team yeah. is a huge 400 gap 400-odd million between them yeah but like but he's brought in Kim I can't pronounce Kim Pempe Kim Pempe uh, Ariola. yeah like and brought on players even who players like Rabiot yeah exactly Rabiot's there the you know the younger players that are in and around the side as well like they're getting a chance under uh, Unai Emery but nothing's worked out for him in terms of winning the goal or at least progressing in towards the goal of winning the Champions League and uh, that will do us for the news join us after the break for topic of the show welcome back uh, the international friendly is a strange entity it has been used by many managers to learn and to try out new players or new si- or new systems. Yet, yet because of the lack of importance or intensity, it often feels like there's nothing we could really learn for a match without comp- without that competitive edge. Are friendlies worthwhile? Not really. Like it's international friendlies in their current state, they're not tests like they once were. There used to be tests like exhibitions where, you know, it would be an interesting thing and contrasting styles of play each other. It would be a big occasion where. You know, the English would go to Brazil or the Brazilians would go to England and there'd be huge contrast in style and players that would never see each other would play each other and there'd be a great amount of learning done by both sides. Now it's a, it's a hangover from an earlier age where these things weren't common, where you you know a match between England and Scotland was a big deal, a test match between England and Scotland. Yeah. Massive deal. They, these players never see each other. It's a once, not once a lifetime, maybe once a year, once in a couple of years event. Now these players are playing each other week in, week out in league, in the Cups, in the Champions League, as well as playing in international tournaments Has and qualifiers that they don't matter anymore. That's why the number of them is being reduced all the time. They don't get viewers. They don't get even numbers in the stadium, which is like when you go and Cristiano Ronaldo was coming to town and they don't sell out. Has the digital age kind of ruined I don't know if the digital age has ruined it because it's all mentioned there's football everywhere but like no but like we go into the, we go into the World Cup now and we kind of know everything about everyone yeah. that's worth their but salt. there's convergence that's the, that's the way the modern world is everyone has every league has held and that's by design almost and, you know the World Cup in itself is trying to push the cream to the top by focusing everyone on one tournament that everyone joins together and then because of the success of the World Cup you have every other tournament in the world trying to do the same thing and that's why the Champions League is in existence that's why the European League's are the way they are. They get all the best players in the world in one in one or five leagues, if you want to say it like that, and that's where they go towards. It's, it's not like, it puts international football itself is in a, a dire straits because it's not the thirty, maybe even a bit longer than thirty years ago. You club club football was here and international football was up here. It was better. Oh yeah, yeah. 
because it was the you know the best players in your t- it was the cream of the crop yeah but it was the best teams best players in your league as well not a huge amount of players played abroad from many of these countries very few did like South Americans gradually started doing it more and more as the 70s and 80s came on until it became almost that was just it by the 90s and certainly by the 2000s if you're of any quality you're not playing in South America anymore but back then it was like oh these are this is everything this nationalistic pride it's the country it's also the league and it's also the style of football like when the Dutch played the Italians you had Catanaccio against Total Football and it was obvious then now when the Dutch played the Italians you're like well some of the best Dutch players play in Italy yeah you know they know each other he knows oh he's friends with the teammates doesn't have the same bite to it even in a friendly match at least in a qualifier or a competitive match you could say there is a bit of edge to it there's something there to actually push everyone on but even then they're very lacklustre usually but then obviously UEFA brought in the Nations League which we have discussed before yeah. and, I think- and the more I, the more it comes closer to it and the more you sit through these friendlies you're like yeah at least that might be a bit better it's like, competitive I, at least it's still it's still I think the calendar is the main problem they have yeah I'd agree with that like probably what we should do is arrange for a three week period three to four week period every season where all international matches occur just pick a month in the calendar yeah and then you just do all the matches like just take March for example yeah there's already a break in March so it breaks up the yeah. flow of the club game and just take all of March every week there's a... or do it even at the end of the January when most countries in Europe have a winter break yeah do it at the end of that to, and then you kickstart the last and then you have another one in the summer yeah when everyone's off yeah basically and then you have tournaments in the off seasons or the the odds years yeah obviously when yeah. there isn't you know when you can't do this when you have the tournaments and then everyone wins everyone benefits international football has a style the managers of international teams get to actually work with the players for a sustained and prolonged amount of time international managers could probably also have other jobs and you could bring in the best club managers to manage. Because there was talk about Simeone, me and Argentina coach, while also managing Atletico. Yeah. Teams have done, players have done it before. It like, hasn't been done in a while, though. No, it's been a while since you had a, you know, a joint managing thing. I know John John Giles used to do it for Ireland yeah. when he was a top flight manager in England at the same time. You know, but yeah, it's a bit a bit wonky that 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 notion, I and mean, it'll be slow to come because you'd have to have an agreement between all the confederations. But you look at, say, Africa, where they have... You know, there's a lot of issues with African football, but they have the African Cup of Nations every few years. And that basically is like having one of these like mini breaks in the middle of a season where you get everyone together, they learn how to play together, and they play a big tournament, and they do it routinely enough that they start to get you know, nationalistic pride behind the team. They start to get, this is how we play. Everyone gets to know each other very well. Everyone knows how to play with each other and against other teams. And then you get a kind of unit thing going, a unity going. Now it hasn't translated to success in other tournaments yet. Yeah. And there could be, um, there's probably other reasons you'd have to go into to discover why African teams are not excelling at the World Cup the way that you might have expected them to. Give Do you think their we quality. could see that this World Cup? They've as much chance as any. Like even just a semi-final appearance from some. Well, African it's, you country. see, it's tough to say that because like who's going to get to the semi-finals? Nigeria have a lot of excellent players. They're in a very typical group, though. Exactly. And they've never, not since 94, have they really kicked on. Yeah. Like, I know they had some performance in 98 as well. But in 94, like, they, 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 you know, realistically could have got to a semi-final very easily. And they kind of just lost out in the end. But this time, you know, they have a lot of good, exciting young players, a lot of pace in that side. But are they going to do it? You know, 
Yeah, I don't think so. That every post generation seems to have gone on land yeah, at this but point. The, they're gone, you know. Egypt, as you said earlier, Mo Salah, but then that group isn't as straightforward as it might look. Yeah, because you know? it's got the host in it. It's got the host in it, and you know, you never know it's Saudi Arabia. They could actually turn up for once. <laughs> they mightn't, but they could turn up for once. And then they're kind of like, they're not as much as. The, the one thing we were talking about earlier is like global football has it ruined everything. You know, the fact that you can watch any match going. Saudi Arabia, you can't watch a lot of their matches. Yeah, no if one you could, you're not going to really seek them out. Exactly, so maybe Saudi Arabia could be kind of although, unknown entity, unknown quantity. Although I did see the uh, a few English journalists who were watching Panama-Denmark with yeah. keen interest, because obviously Panama are in England's group. Yeah. And everyone was doing their own version of a scout report afterwards saying, oh, it's going to be tough patch. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, but there's no, it's like, it's like the old cliche, there's no easy matches in international football. There isn't. You get to a World Cup, you're a good side. You might do anything to the opposition yeah. when you get there. But like, I have no, no thoughts for a second to think that you know, Panama are going to lose 5 nil to England in the World Cup or Saudi Arabia are going to lose 5 nil to Russia. You know, the way that maybe they would have, you Before. know, even, yeah, 2002, was it 7-0 or 6-0 Germany beat Saudi Arabia in the group stages in 2002? It was, it was high, yeah. scored like five goals in one match. Or yeah. Or he scored a hat-trick in one match. But, but even like, in, in 2010, was it in North Korea and Portugal? Yeah. Like, like that was a bit of a, ma- a crazy match as well. Yeah. And that sounds to the way the qualifying happened. So, you know, there's no bad teams in it. We can see where they're going with it. I think the, the friendliest the way they are at the moment isn't functioning for anybody. And it's just such an awkward... Like, like Obviously, this particular season, a break from club football is actually probably a good thing just because club football is so stagnant this yeah, season. it's been but, like in previous years, like... It's it really just, breaks up the flow. It can ruin teams' seasons. Yeah, you know? like it's just it's such a hard stop like yeah. that when you're in the middle of Nobody a really wants it. It doesn't benefit... Like, I don't think it benefits international federations from having it. I don't think they sell more tickets because the football is this time of the year. I think they probably would prefer if they had three or four weeks where they play, okay, we're going to have four weeks and we're going to play six matches in four weeks. Yeah, because, like, the, we talk about the Nations League. Like, that's four games. Like, each team, except for, like, some of the lower groups yeah. where there's four yeah. teams. That, like, Ireland play four games. Like, yeah. you, you could do that in June. Yeah. You do that, like, if you were to play as tournament football, which might be less intense but more straining on the players... You can play that in a week. Yeah, and like even then you can do it over the course of two weeks even. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's nothing wrong with that really because it's like these are professionals. They're not going to be as intense as a club match. Maybe you still want to like... Less they're... rides on it. But you have because... If you play these matches in a short space of time and you have like, okay, this matters for this reason. I think the quality of it though would suffer. Maybe well, yes and no. Like, like I, think, I don't think it would. I don't think it would suffer really because they'd have I know less time mean, to prepare and they get. You t- say like, there's less time the time, matches. By the time they get to the fourth match, say I think they'd be too tired. Yes, yeah, but it could give for more experimentation. You can have you could start doing stuff like well, you can have thirty man squads for these international. Yeah, but how many countries can actually fill? Like you, yeah, like, every country could. Like ha- yeah, but a good thirty man squad. Like, yeah, but what's the the fine good and the the, the problem? Well, not the problem. One of the virtues of the international what, league of nations or whatever. The UEFA Nations League. UEFA Nations League. Called. Yeah, is that teams are kind of seeded with along their quality lines. Yeah. So everyone's kind of even and evenly enough matched. So it doesn't matter if you don't have thirty quality teams because the player the team you're playing against doesn't either. So it's an even playing field, and everyone's in at the same level that they all have four weeks. The, like or whatever they all have four games in the next amount of time 
let's get them in together. Like, if you prolong that and you had a bit more prep time, the fact that they're playing these matches actually improve the quality all around of everyone in these squads. Everyone would benefit from what you can do, roll on things to help grassroots football, like have open coaching sessions. You could get, like, as you said before, more nationalistic pride behind it and more, let's, this is our country, yeah, we're yeah, yeah. do this. And that's, that's only good for international football. Like, could you imagine how, like, even in countries... Like a country, big market countries that love tournaments but then don't care about football the rest of the time. The United States gets behind soccer when the World Cup is on. They probably won't this summer because the US aren't involved. Yeah. But imagine if they had, instead of us having like random friendlies throughout the season or random qualifiers throughout the season as they have, you just have, okay, there's four weeks since international football, the USA are playing four matches around the United States. Yeah. You would get a huge amount of attention and all these matches count and, or they play in, sorry, four matches in, in eight days or something. And they play in Chicago, they play in New York, they play in LA, they play in Texas. And they get a huge amount of sport following them around them because of it. And it's like, these actually matter and they'd actually, you know, get maybe prime time viewing and you'd boost the profile of the sport in the country. And then you say, oh, MLS is on next week. You can see some of these players playing in MLS next week. It all works together, but it take it will take an awful lot of control then for everyone to be I just don't to do see, it. I just don't see them changing. Well, they've the changed the League of Nations or Nations League. Now, no, but I don't see the change in the calendar, and I think that's the most important. Given thing. Given the Qatar World Cup, where the calendar, apparently the World Cup is going to be on December twenty twenty two, which it'll be interesting. I'd, I'd like to Wait, see tw- it just so it'll be tw- December twenty or January twenty. I'm not sure. It's something like that. They haven't. Oh, so we'll have to wait even longer. Then that'll be annoying. Yeah, actually, that's something I haven't thought about. But yeah, the World Cup will actually be four and a half years away if it is indeed on there. But the whole everyone's season is going to have to be adjusted. Think changes in the offing. Like they're already yeah, talking about the very least. from next summer, they are definitely stopping the transfer window beginning. Yeah, I think Italy season. announced the same as well. Yeah, and a few other countries will probably follow suit as well to keep in line, but other countries will benefit from not having it. But with that, England are also going to have a winter break at some point in just February. In yeah. February, yeah, to give a bit of a break to everyone, kind of like what we're sitting in right now. Like, why can't they move other things around and have? Okay, let's have the yeah, end, true. end of January from the week after the FA Cup third round until the end of January. That's international. We international yeah, yeah. and I don't think that really impinges anyone else's winter break or anyone else's. You know, they can everything else can be adjusted to account for it because you lose what we lose two weeks in October, two weeks in August, and two weeks in March every year. Yeah, uh, and then possibly extra ones in November if there's playoffs and things like that. Yeah, it? normally it's September, October, November, and March. So how many weeks is that? Six That's weeks. Eight of weeks. the season. But it, well, they don't always. Yeah, them yeah, just yeah, yeah. So say if you took four, four weeks, if you took four weeks, gave those weeks back to the domestic league, they'll happily take them back. Yeah, and then you have four weeks in January, February to do all this. And then yeah. you have extra ones, say, at the beginning of the season as well. Or just in the summer when everyone... Because like, yeah. there is an international yeah. break in the summer anyway. And then you have everything solved, really. Yeah. You, or at least you have tried something to, you know, arrest the decline of international football and the quality of it. So what you're saying is we should run world football. Well, we can't do much worse of a job. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> okay, uh, that will do us for our top of the show. Join us after the break for Guess the Player.
welcome back now it's time to close out the show with guest the player uh, Andrew can you explain the rules so week? Dex is going to give me a few names of a few team members of a certain unknown footballer who has played with these this player and from that information a few clues he'll give me I have to guess the player so are you ready Andrew yeah shoot um, Ed and Jekyll okay. Thierry Henry Didier Drogba Daniel Sturridge Robin Van Persie Sergio Aguero and Luis Suarez so that's a lot of strikers <laughs> yeah the, well, oh, the striker striker based Jekyll and Luis Suarez how would they be connected by any player that is a tough one now I might need a clue for that what's the clue won two Premier League titles two FA Cups and was a runner up in the Champions League a runner up in the Champions League that's the best so that makes me think that it's an Arsenal player okay because they were runners up in the Champions League now if it was not a runner up if it was there there have been a few runner up other clubs as well though. no I know yeah. but it was the fact that they had the two leagues and they played with Ed Dzeko and what was another player some other player that was in there Aguero just think of all the best strikers of the last. Yeah, I thought it was Mario Balotelli. Fifteen years there, but it's not because he won the Champions League with Inter. He didn't finish runner up. So, what's another clue then? You've no guesses. No, not even just a John Allen Boomsong. <laughs> no, hundred twenty appearances for his country. Hundred and twenty appearances. Philip Lamb. No. I th- he hasn't played yeah he players. hasn't played he's one no I'm just seeing the players who played 120 matches two league titles two league only two though who would have played with all the best strikers the Premier League has seen in the last 15 years Ed Dzeko was not hardly well Thierry Henry he was there but who what connects Thierry Henry Manuel Adebayor no that's a good guess though well he has a, he didn't finish run did he no he did actually was he still? Yeah, he was still at Arsenal. He was in Arsenal in 2006, yeah. Did no. he drop with a giant star, Robin Van Persie? Robbie Keane? It's not Robbie Keane. It's always Robbie Keane. Oh, did not Daniel recently. Sturridge. He's in the list. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's not Daniel Sturridge. So who, Steven Gerrard didn't win any league titles. I don't know. Do you have any other clues? He won the African Cup of Nations. Mo Salah? No. It's not Mo Salah. It's actually not bad because without... There's a, he's played a lot of yeah, players. Yeah, that is. Um, between Chelsea and Roma. Uh, any other clues? Uh, his older brother, or he is the older brother to another famous player. Oh, Colo Torre. It is Colo Torre. Oh, that makes sense now because he, he got runner up Champions League with Arsenal. Yeah. He won two league titles. Obviously with Arsenal. With Arsenal. Did he, he won one? He has three league titles. It's just two. Then he only won one with Arsenal and he won one with City. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. I thought he would have... Or does he have more than... No, because he, he was at Liverpool for the second Man City League. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then he played with them at... Between Man City, Liverpool... Yeah, Man City, and Liverpool and then Gia Drogba was Ivory Coast. And Ivory Coast, that's probably what should have given it away. I had no chance of that. Yeah, and then the last clue was... He's the only player to remain unbeaten in the league for an entire season at two different clubs. What? That doesn't make any sense. He's he's had a miss league season. Oh, with Celtic. With Celtic and Arsenal. Fair enough. Yeah. What a man, Colo Torre. He is Colo. Colo he's had a, a wonderful Colo, career and he's Colo. going at coaching now. Colo, Colo Torre. Exactly. And we will not mention his used car salesman era of his career. 
Uh, yeah, there's a great story as well. I can't remember who told it of him in an Arsenal training. Ray as well. Parler it was a Ray Parler. Ray Parler saying when he started, he used to slide tackle everyone. He slid tackle. He slide. He slide tackles Dennis Burkamp. Yeah, slide Ars- tackles it was, Thierry Henry. It was the way he told it as well. Yeah. It was great. It was. I I'd urge yeah. you listeners I think it's to, a, to look I think it up. It's an apocryphal story. It's not. I, I would take everything Ray Parler says it. Oh, it was, it was very good though. Yeah, yeah. you wish you wish the whole thing is true. Uh, but with that we will close the show uh, email us at the tfpod at gmail.com for any guest the player suggestions or any thoughts on the topic of the show uh, follow us at the tfpod and myself at cheesy hairpone and andrew at combon27 uh, please subscribe rate and review the show on your podcast service uh, tell your friends and family about the show you know please. the more the merrier as they always say always. it helps out you know, we don't mind any animal listeners either. You no, know, no. We, we don't discriminate that our way. Podcasts. We don't mind. Uh, so, uh, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening.